0: guest speaker today but uh dan hammond i got to know him first in probably i want to say 29 years ago and uh first of all sawyer how old are you how old is he sawyer. i got i know william gosh he was hanging out with sawyer all family camp i'm sorry william william how old are you what 10 And then uh, junior over here, junior year, about 11. So about that, that was about uh, Pastor Eric's age when we were, he was a seventh grader when we first started, I first started working with youth group, and and Dan was the youth pastor at that time. And there was a house right here where this building is, the youth house where, where he had his office and all that way back then. And then Dan went to, he went to the inner city in Portland, and started working in inner city ministries. He came back and then started a church, Christ Church Metro, so inner city of Seattle, and then went to, to the Dominican Republic and served there for how many years? Just two months, but you were there for yeah. So anyway, all that to say, I want to introduce his rock of a wife, <laughs> Kelly <laughs> Kelly Hammond. Stand up, Kelly. That's awesome. But through all that, through all that, um, what I remember of Dan, and I know it is, is his, now you know, the microphone, there we go, is he, he always had a heart for people and always had a heart to see individuals and their love relationship with Jesus. That was his first and foremost part, and I know that's what he's about now. So anyway, if you could welcome Dan Hammond. No, no, it's all good. Thank you.
1: Yes, I've known Don and Linda for a long time. And I told Linda I was going to try and think of some stories about her. So if, 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 it's going to have to come to me as we're moving along. But um, it's great to be here. I spent years. I grew up on this piece of property, really. Um, you know, and six years in this particular building, we had our youth group, uh, well, almost six years. We didn't have this building the whole time, but for the last couple of years, we met in this building. So lots of memories for me um, here. And I'm all of you who I have not seen for a long time, some I don't know, but it's just, it's great to be here this morning and I'm glad that you're here. And if you've heard me share in the last couple of months, you might hear some of the same stuff. But it's going to be really good the second time as well. <laughs> so. All right, so let's read. Eric uh, assigned me a scripture. So Luke chapter 10 is um, our jumping off spot. And we're going to read the story of the Good Samaritan. And this is going to kind of be our main portion that we're going to work with today. So let me read it to you. Luke 10, verse starting in verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. Now here's an interesting statement. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came... Let's see. As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. It's, it's, an, it's a story we all know. It's, a, it's an important and, and maybe sums up all of Christianity in a couple of bites. So I want to read one more verse that goes with this. In Matthew twenty two thirty seven. it says this. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So here we have two very similar statements, sort of summing up everything that we need to know as a Christian. Which is, if we'll love God with all our hearts and we'll love others... Um, that is the core of what it means to be saved and to be a Christian. And here's the thing that is is probably the hard part, and it's interesting because in that section of Scripture where we're in the Good Samaritan, it says that he was looking to justify himself. Now, why do you think that might be when he said, who is my neighbor? Well, I think it's the same thing I go through every day, which is I know I'm not quite where I need to be, And I know that that love that I need to get is not residing deep enough in me. So I've got to find a way to kind of let myself off the hook. Um, And and of course, Jesus didn't let him off the hook. Um, And I want to talk today um, about what I think is the core of what we need, which is God's love. Um, So here's how the process is supposed to work. Jesus pours all his love into you. Until you get so full, it bubbles up and flows out on everybody else. It's a very simple process. So if I want to not be the religious guy who walks by the wounded and the hurting and the broken, how do I not be that guy? Well, i got to get full of God's love. Because I really don't have much to give Him if I don't have God's love to give Him anyway. Isn't that right? So... My job then becomes very simple, which is to love God and get let him pour his love out on me till it gets so full it spills out on everybody and suddenly the world changes. Because Jesus' love is like a nuclear bomb. It has power. Unbelievable power. Power to change lives, power to change destinies, power to change everything. And it's, it's not complicated. It's really simple. I remember um, a few years ago I got a call from... Uh, ...from a lady and she said, I hear that you're, um, you're a gay-friendly pastor. And I said, well, okay. <laughs> and I had worked um, downtown with a group called Chicken Supergate... ...where this was the 80s, late 80s, when everybody died of AIDS. And so I volunteered down there and I had clients that I helped. And we were living in Portland at the time. And she said, well, my brother's got AIDS and he's dying. Could you go see him? And he doesn't know Jesus... I said, sure, I'd be happy to. So I called him up and went over to his house. I'll never forget this. Knocked on the door, I hear him come in. And he says, I'm upstairs, and I walk up the steps. Here's this guy, buck naked, laying on his bed. look like those pictures you see from Auschwitz. Just at the end. So I get in there, and I sit down next to him, and he starts throwing up. And he's throwing up into this bucket, and it's splashing out all over my legs and all over me. And I'm saying to myself, oh, help me, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, no, if I could take this. So he gets done throwing up, and he kind of covers himself up, and I introduce myself to him. (laughs) And we just start talking. And he said, when we were finished, he said, could you come back? Could you come back again? Because I don't have a lot of visitors. I said, sure, I'll come back next week. So I started to come back every week. About two months in, he got radically saved. Just full Monty, um, and about about a month after that he died, and I did his yeah. super simple proposition: just love people. It's so not complicated, but we make it really complicated um, It's interesting what Glenn where are you Glenn? Glenn said, "You know, it's 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 buying those groceries for somebody. I bought a lady smokes the other day. <laughs> she was really blown away. I thought, well, Jesus, I, it's my opportunity. So there it is. <laughs> I would have rather have been nutritious whole wheat bread or something, but <laughs> so love has power." That's the most unbelievable power, to change lives, to change people, and to change us. And our job has to be to get that love in us. We have to get it in us. Um, I wanted Kelly to share a little bit about our journey, and so she's going to come up and share for a minute. Do we do we have a mic for her? Just use this one? Yeah.
2: The last time we spoke together, one of my co-workers commented on The difference in our height. Yeah, baby. (laughs) It's
1: been a joy for 28 years. There's no camera
2: person. It poses a problem for camera people, so maybe it's a good thing. There's no camera person here today. Um, But, yeah, I I just want to pick up on what he was saying. I was thinking the same thing, and and Glenn as well. That can be so simple, and we tend to make this whole Christianity thing so complicated. And, you know, um, you've probably heard that, you know, Newton's laws, a body at rest will stay at rest until it's acted on by another force. And a a body in motion tends to stay in motion. And I think that that's the thing that needs to happen. You just have to start on that path of motion. And Mm -hmm. then it just, then it just, you keep going. Because you, it feels so awesome when you're doing what God wants you to do. And, you know, that's how we started out when we did our inner city ministry You know, we weren't anybody special. We were just people in motion. That's all we were. And um, a lot of what we did was really simple. Um, People always love to hear our stories, so I'm going to tell you one of my favorites because, well, you'll see at the end. Um, uh, When we (coughs) moved to the inner city, we had two boys. James was four. Jesse was, I don't know, a year and a half old or something like that. I was pregnant. So here I am. I'm this mom, this pregnant pastor's wife, goody two shoes, whitey white, you know, from the suburbs, dropped in the middle of this very foreign place, very out of place, but you know, it's amazing what God will do when you're just obedient. So because we were so busy and I had little kids, if I wanted to get any of that Jesus that I needed to do what I needed to do, I had to get up early. So I was up really early one morning. It was still dark. And this guy comes knocking at the door. And I peek into the peephole, and he's like really mangy. And, and he kind of just looks like he's half asleep. And I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> I do not want to answer the door. So I got Dan. And then he told me to answer the door. Can you believe that? Me. Pregnant Me. Anyway, I did, and I'm going to just speed speed up the story. It turns out this guy, uh, he knew our ministry partner, Eric, and Eric had said, um, come by. Uh, They run into each other. And the reason why he looked so bedraggled was because he'd been smoking crack for three days straight, had no food, no sleep, and he was just at the end of his rope. So, whoops. (laughs) Uh, um, so Eric and Dan talked to him shared the gospel with him he's like yeah I need Jesus and accepted the Lord but you know he had outstanding warrants and things like that so they were going to have to go see his parole officer but it was too early so guess what Dan and Eric did they left they went to their office and said we'll come back I'm like you're leaving me with this crack addict this mangy guy and they're like see ya and, um so he slept on our couch, thankfully, he was so tired, he just crashed, and um, he was so knocked out, you know the kids got up, and he didn't even wake up or anything for a couple hours. And so when he did get up, I asked him if he wanted breakfast, and I'll, I'll never forget the look on his face. You'd think no one had ever offered him a meal before. I mean, he was just like, "Yeah, uh, yeah, sure." I said, well what would you like?" It don't matter, ma'am, nothing, and, you know, whatever you got. And so I made him breakfast, and I brought it to him. And I, I wish everybody looked at me the way he did when I brought them food, you know. <laughs> it was like I'd given him, uh, what's that, ambrosia, the food of the gods. He was like, thank you. And he gobbled it up, and um, and then he, I said, well, would you like to take a shower? And thank God he said yes, because he really needed one. took a shower. He got cleaned up. And so then he's, he's out on the front porch, and he's smoking his cigarette, and the Lord's, like, nudging me, go out and talk to him. I'm like, what am I going to say to him? He's a, he's a crack addict, and I'm this pregnant mom, pastor. The Lord just said, get out there. So I went, and we sat, and you know, it's amazing what happens when you're obedient. You know, I don't even know what we talked about, but it was one of the most lovely conversations I've ever had in my life. And I'm not kidding you. I just remember this sense of God and his pleasure and his love, and it was just sweet. So this is my favorite part of the story. When Dan and Eric finally came back, he gets into the van with them to go see his parole officer, and he's probably going to go to jail. And this is what he says. That woman... She was Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. I, you feed them breakfast, you let them have a shower, you sit next to them when they smoke, and they, they think you're Jesus. But, you know, that's what it takes. Wow. Wow. That's what it takes. Wow.
1: Great, it was It was so funny. Um, we actually took him to jail. Um, because he had these warrants, and I said, "Hey, if you're going to start your life right. Let's get it started right now. Let's go to jail and get things taken care of." But uh, I, I do have a, this picture in my mind, this vivid picture. He's sitting. He's sitting in the front seat of the car, and we're getting ready to go to jail. And uh, he d- he looks at me and goes, "That ah, Kelly's Jesus." Just, and and <laughs> I said, "Yeah, she's Jesus." <laughs> um. And it it is amazing what the love of God can do when it gets poured out of you onto somebody else. And it's not complicated. It's bacon and eggs. Um, But here's our problem. And I think it's my problem. And I've discovered now that I'm 53 um, that there are some things that I have not had the right paradigm about in terms of God. In fact, I have really spent most of my adult life trying to be worthy of His love and His blessing and His favor. Performing. Man, if I could just perform well enough, if I can just earn it, if I could just deserve it, it could be awesome. When all along God's been wanting to pour all this stuff out on me and it turns out I'm the guy who shut off the tap. Wow. Wow. I'm the guy who's thwarting God from pouring his love out on me because I don't think I'm worthy enough or I haven't performed enough. You know, we spend our whole lives performing for people. Isn't that true? Right from the beginning. Hey, look at little Johnny. He can walk. You take piano lessons, man. I had to play for everybody who came over to our house. <laughs> Hated that. Your boss is judging you. You're judging yourself. We all struggle with it all the time. So here's, here's the deal. The problem is not that we struggle with it. The problem is, is that it's cutting off God's love. And all these people out here need it. So if we're cutting it off, it can't come in, fill us up, bubble out over onto others if we won't accept it. Oh, oh. I um, I have realized that God wants to do so much more in me and for me and through me than i ever imagined. And that I'm the person keeping it from happening. Because he's there He's got this giant bucket of love That he wants to pour out on me And I'm struggling to feel like I'm worthy enough for that He has blessing and favor to give me So that I can share that with others But I'm struggling to accept it Because maybe I didn't read my Bible Every day this week Am I the only one? Come on now (laughs) See, here's the deal. Um, Let me tell you a little story. So I grew up in a very loving family, and my mother took very good care of me. Um, Some of you know my mother, Phyllis Hammond. Uh, I never owned an alarm clock all the way through grade school, junior high, and high school. I would just tell my mother every evening when I needed to be awoken. And she would get up. Whether it was 2 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning, she would get up and wake me up. I remember she would come down to my room. She'd knock on my door and she'd say, Danny, it's time to get up. Senior in high school. Danny, <laughs> it's time to get up. And then the best part would happen. She would say to me, what do you want for breakfast? And I could place my order. Whatever it was. I know. I... Never did a load of laundry. To this day, I'm not sure that I've done a load of laundry. I've had wonderful women in my life. I really have. I know it's bad. She took such good care of me. And I've come to realize that God's a lot like Phyllis Hammond. More than we understand. He just wants to do stuff for you. In fact, he wants to fill his ham in you. (laughs) You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to struggle about it. He just wants to take care of you. He wants to pour out his love and his favor and his blessing on you. And all you have to do is accept it. Not earn it, not deserve it. Just open your heart up to it. Here's the the reason he's going to do that. It's a big theological word. It's called propitiation. Anybody know what that means? Elder Walker? (laughs) It means that Jesus took your place. So, he died on the cross. He covered your sins. And now, because of Christ's sacrifice, God sees you through the lens of Jesus, which is the greatest thing in the world. He doesn't see this. He sees me through Jesus and what Jesus did for me on the cross. Now, here's the great part. So now I'm forgiven for everything I've done, everything I'm currently doing, and all the stuff I haven't even done yet. Wait a minute, some of you are shaking your heads at me like, I don't know. It's true. That's what the Word says. Every time God looks at me, He sees me through Christ and what Jesus did for me on the cross. So you know, Jesus, when God sees me, He doesn't see my mess or my struggles or my hurts or what I've done or not done. He doesn't see my failures. He sees this beautiful child that he wants to pour his love out on. When God sees Dean Hale, He sees a supermodel. That's really what He sees. That's what He sees when He sees you and me. Something beautiful. There was a movie uh, a while back called Shallow Hal. Any of you ever seen that? Shallow Hal. Ridiculous movie. But in the movie. Um, what's his name, Uh, Tony Robinson, Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins puts this sort of hex on this Jack Black character, and he, so that he sees women differently, so it might have been a super heavy set woman, but he'll see her as a skinny, beautiful supermodel, and that was sort of the premise of the whole movie, and in the end it's all happy and everybody gets married, or something like that. But the premise of it is, which is what God does with us. He sort of shallow houses, (laughs) which is when he sees us, he sees us through Jesus and he sees something beautiful, something wonderful, something awesome, something that he could pour his favor out on, something righteous and holy. So I have the opportunity, if I can get my paradigm right about who God is. If I can get that right, I'm suddenly now available for him to pour his love out on me because I don't have to earn it because Jesus did it for me. And when I get full, I can live my life grateful. And when I'm grateful, I'm going to want to pour myself out to others. That's how that proposition works. And I really believe it's the key to changing the world. The good Samaritan is the guy who changed the world, right? Not the religious dudes who walked by. But i got to get enough of God's love in me that I'm willing to stop. Right? No love, I walk by. Isn't that how that works? And I think this, this morning, God wants to pour out on you this week in ways you can't even imagine. And all you have to do is let him. I got, this, um, I got this new program for my business on my phone. It's called Square. Have you ever heard of it? So I can take credit cards now. It's amazing. I can, if you hand me your credit card, I can just put your number in, and tomorrow, like magic, your money shows up in my account. <laughs> yeah, it's so awesome. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. But you know what? I think God has a Square account for you. That he'd like you to withdraw from. He's just sitting there waiting for you. He's waiting to do amazing things in your life. He's waiting to pour out this favor and this blessing and this love on you that will so overwhelm you that you won't be able to do anything but pour it out on other people. It's like free money, except for it's love and favor. Tomorrow, when you pull this out, just remind yourself, oh yeah, I got a square account with God. <laughs> and I can, I can make a withdrawal right now if I want to. And you don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You didn't have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and read your Bible. It would be good if you did, but you don't have to. And He's going to love you exactly the same way. No less, no more. It's a revolutionary concept, isn't it? (laughs) Let me finish with this. Wow, we're early. I'm motoring. It's awesome. Um, We do have to go through some difficult things. I'm not saying that God's going to shield you from everything because we know that's not true. Okay. He does see you in a certain way and he does want to pour his favor and blessing out on you. But life is life. But here's what he does promise to do for us. There's a story in the Old Testament about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Any of you ever been through Sunday school and heard that story? Um uh, the Persian king wanted everybody to bow to him. And, and uh, three guys said, No, we won't. We won't bow to your idol, to you. Um, we only bow to God. And so he decided he was going to take care of them. And he got this fiery furnace burning and he threw them in. And the guys who threw them in all died because of the heat. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived. In fact, they were walking around and it says they looked inside of this furnace and they could see four people walking if you read the story in the new old testament so here's the analogy they come out the king says he was wrong he says i guess there is only one god and god was glorified and some great stuff happened i think that's how the story went <laughs> here's my premise for the story <laughs> which is god's going to let you go through some fiery stuff but he's going to get in there with you And that's going to be awesome. It says that, that in, in the story, it says that, um, that they didn't even smell like smoke. That's how great our God is. He's going to take you through some stuff and you're not even going to have a residue. Well, Maybe let that sink in for a second. I, I know a lot of people who are carrying a lot of residue from life around. It's hard for them. God says, if you'll let me take you through it, I'll take you all the way through to the other side of it, and you won't even smell like smoke. So here's my encouragement for all of us today. Let God pour his love in you, and then you'll get a chance to pour it out on other people. Let him pour it in on you in ways you can't even imagine. I want to ask you this one thing. I want to ask you to up your expectation as to what God wants to do in you and how much he wants to love you. I want you to raise the ante for yourself. I want you to expect more. Believe for more. Ask for more. Is it okay if we ask? I think the scripture says we're supposed to. You need some love this morning? You need some of God's love? Just ask for it. It's there waiting for you. And then when you get it, you'll stop walking by the hurting. That's the coolest thing. Is I'll just stop walking by him. Because I'm not that religious guy anymore. I'm a loved guy. And I'm so full of that love that I get to and want to pour it out on any broken, beat up, messed up dude laying by the side of the road who desperately needs what I have. All right, let's pray. Jesus, help us. Help us to see how badly You want to pour your love out on us. Because we're your vehicles, we're your vessel to then pour that love out on others. Lord, help us get our paradigm right about who you are and how you see us. Lord, it's not about being worthy. It's not about earning it. It's not about deserving it. We get it because of Jesus and what he's done for us. So, Father, raise our expectations about what you want to do in our lives. Raise our expectations about not only what you're going to do in us, but then in turn what you can do through us. Because your love has revolutionary power, it changes everything it touches, it changes anyone it touches. No one is beyond your love. So, Father, open our hearts up. May this week, may we experience you in ways we never have before. Because we're going to let you do it in us. Thank you, Jesus. your name, amen.